Welcome to The Journey to Inner Wisdom. I'm Crystal Cotto Sullivan, your host of this podcast. I've been talking about the many facets of the journey to inner wisdom. And as I as I interview people and talk about it, I realize that the journey is much more important than the destination. And there are many things that can happen to, to move us along on that journey. And in this particular journey, we're talking about accessing our inner wisdom. And there are many tools available that guide us on this journey, as well as the people who can guide and mentor us. I've been talking about the ABCs of the journey to inner wisdom. I began with awareness, beliefs, curiosity, discernment, the Enneagram, one of my favorites, focus, flow, gratitude. And now we are at R, nearing the end of this year. From time to time, I will invite guests to join in the conversation and share their journeys and the tools and guides who have journeyed with them. And you will hear about my own ongoing journey. I hope that you are enjoying this adventure. Today with R, I'm excited to have a conversation with the relationship coach, sometimes referred to as the relationship wizard, John Sullivan. Welcome, John. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to be here. A little, little nervous, but I'm I'm excited to be here too. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about John. John Sullivan is a highly qualified counselor who is passionate about helping people achieve happier, more meaningful relationships. John works with individuals and couples who feel overwhelmed, confused, or stuck by life, life's complexities. Using his years of knowledge and various techniques, John works with his clients to create the relationship they truly want. As a counselor, teacher, and coach, he helps provide clarity and growth when relationship values become misaligned. After experiencing their own relationship difficulties, John and his wife, Crystal, were introduced to the Imago <laughs> Therapy System founded by Harville Hendricks. Imago Therapy is based on a system of four basic relationship skills. So I have to say that I am a little bit anxious nervous about this interview. As John is my husband, I am Crystal, that is referred to in his bio, <laughs> and he is my husband and partner in life. And today we will be talking about relationships, and inevitably we will be talking about our own relationship journey, which we often talk about, and um, not so often so publicly. So no, that's, that's um, for sure. That's for sure. Although I have to say when we do a workshop or yeah. sometimes we do, uh, I, I work with you when you are counseling couples, um, we do tell our story, but not in such a public forum, I don't think. So, so here we are, John, um, excited and anxious and uh, ready to talk about relationships. Well, I appreciate the chance to do that, Crystal, because uh, you know that, uh, how important relationships are and uh it, part of our story i guess i'll let you tell that part but uh just so people know, know that uh, we we celebrated our 47th anniversary this year but uh 15 years into our marriage we, we separated and uh and for nine months especially um we were we were struggling and uh actually the relationship was finished and it was the most difficult nine months of, of my life and so I, I do have some uh, firsthand knowledge of of the importance of, of relationships. So if, if there's anything I can do to help couples uh, have a great relationship, and I, and I and I truly believe the tools are available in today's world to have the kind of relationship we all want. So um, 
I'm really happy to be here. I, I, uh, I think what you're doing is fantastic with your journey to inner wisdom and going through the alphabet. I've listened to many of the podcasts and I just uh, appreciate the chance to be on here with you. Thanks. Thank you. So, well, let's, let's talk a little bit then. You started to kind of introduce what happened in our relationship, John. And I think that um, it's really important for people to hear our story because um, it wasn't an easy story. I mean, we, I could say lucky for us that we were able to come back together, but I don't think it was luck because we worked really hard to get back together and to get our relationship where it is today um, and to have been together for 47 years. But let me go back to that time. Um, and, you know, you said that for nine months, you know, the relationship was over. The relationship had kind of been over before I decided to leave. Um, from my past podcast, you probably, people probably know that I come from a family of um, addicts, alcoholics, overeaters, gamblers, drug addicts, pretty much you name it. Someone in my family has had that experience. And so I, um, when my dad decided to go to AA and uh, through treatment and stop drinking, um, I was in my early 30s, mid 30s, I guess. I had two children. I, no, I didn't. I, I was pregnant with his first grandchild, with my mom and dad's first grandchild. And I was so excited that he was making this change because life was pretty chaotic um, in our family, at least in the later years. And so um, I thought, oh, this is great. My family is going to be really healthy now. The relationships are going to be great. And then um, I realized, well, I was affected by that that environment. And so I, de I decided I needed to really do some work. So I, I started to see a therapist myself and I began to read self-help books and I went to workshops and conferences for adult children of alcoholics. And I really changed my perspective on life. I'd been kind of negative before that and defensive. And I really shifted my, um, the way that I, I perceived the world and, and dealt with the world. And I realized that, you know, my relationship with John also needed to change. We didn't argue. We didn't fight. Right, John? I mean, it was, no, no, no. It was, on the outside, it looked great. That's right. It looked really great. But on the inside, there wasn't a lot going on. So and and when I brought would bring things up to talk about them, the my perception was that I was blamed because I came from a troubled background that I coming from an alcoholic family, if there was any issue, any problem, I was the problem. You were the I problem. To get my shit together. <laughs> so you, would just um, get, you get yourself organized, I'd be okay. But yeah, right, uh, exactly. Uh, that's exactly. obviously that that wasn't true. But anyway, that's what I, I know I, wasn't that, true, that's where I was at the time. That's right, exactly. And so um I just decided I'd had enough. I was not going to be the scapegoat. I was not going to um take take the blame anymore and so I decided that I would leave and so um we had that conversation a couple conversations and it was pretty painful and like you John it was probably the most painful thing I've ever done in my life uh, or the most painful thing that happened to me in my life um and so uh yeah John was quite angry, if I remember correctly. Is that right, John? You did. You did. And, and that, so and that sort of started that nine month uh, 
hiatus or or set up and, and and I don't know if you want to go on farther Chris but uh for me uh one of the keys was it was Crystal my wife who read Harville Hendrix's book uh Harville Hendrix and his wife Helen Kelly Hunt they uh, wrote the book Getting the Love You Want a Guide for Couples and and it was Crystal really who read the book first and one of the points uh Harville makes in the book is that what often happens is we get rid of our partner but we keep the problem and take the problem into the next relationship so this made a lot of sense to Crystal, and she approached me. Um, I'm sure I was probably kicking and screaming, but the, her point was, look, at, uh, it, if we take the problem with us, we're just going to repeat the pattern if we if we do get into another relationship. So well, let, me, we, let, me, let me just add a little bit more there, John, because... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I had, um, I had gotten the book... I mean, I, I had gotten so many books. I was reading everything I could get a hold of, but I got the book and I didn't read it right away. But then, um, so into this nine months, I, I was in another relationship. And what happened to me was, and then I read the book and the book, Harville talks about, he doesn't believe in divorce, even though he's divorced, but he doesn't believe in divorce because he believes that that most couples can make it if they have the tools to to work on the relationship. So when I read it, it was really interesting because I thought if I had read this when I first left John, I would have burnt it because <laughs> I was number one, I was angry, I was hurt, I was disappointed. I was done. And nobody was going to tell me that I couldn't be done. It was like, no, I'm done. But then I read it because in this new relationship, I can still remember um, um, standing at the sink, watching, washing dishes with this guy who's drying dishes. And I said something and he said to me, I'm not John. And I just, honest to God, I froze. I thought, am I doing the same thing that I did with John? Because I, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing something. I was repeating a pattern. And so I thought, okay, I want to know what am I, what am I doing in a relationship that sabotages the potential for success in the relationship? So that's when I went to John and I said, look, I don't want to get back together with you because I am done. However, would you be willing? And by this time he was, he wasn't as angry. And I think you had started to go to therapy yourself and you said, yeah, let's figure out why it didn't work so that we don't repeat the same mistake. So that was that was a critical moment for us because we began to 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 work on what happened, try to figure out what happened. Why did this fall apart? So we started to go to therapy. John read the book and then we ended up in a workshop in Chicago with Harville Hendricks doing the Imago um, therapy process. And it was, it was life-changing. It was absolutely life-changing because suddenly we began to understand how we were hurting one another without knowing it, how we were not communicating, how we were not listening. I mean, you know, we're both highly educated people um, and we just weren't even listening. And we'd done so much work in terms of um, you know, the human potential movement that was so popular in the 70s and early 80s, it was like, but we, we realized we weren't 
listening, we weren't communicating. And so we, we, we gathered some tools at this workshop and we started to practice them. And within six weeks after that workshop, we realized that with our history, we still loved one another. We have two children. It was really worth working on. And, and we recommitted to the relationship and, um, and here we are. And the thing to know is that we continue to use the tools that we learned on that weekend. And of course, because John works with them all the time and, uh, you know, we both went back and did a master's in counseling psychology after that. Um, we live what John does. And so it's, it's really, it's really a part of the fabric of our relationship. Wouldn't you say, John? I, 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 I would, and it, it, it's not it, <laughs> it's not rocket science, as I say. I, I'm not that smart, but there's there are certain things you, you can do in a relationship, and there's certain things you can't. But it, it's 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 basically simple. And I think for me, Harville's book, it's like I think any good book, it sort of languages what we already knew intuitively, mm. but he puts it in language that you can understand, and, and you just say, "Well, this makes sense. Well, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, we can do that. We can do this." And and now uh, <clears throat> I, I really and I've said this before. I, I see myself more as a coach. Uh, for me, uh, therapy and counseling is pretty heavy. Like there's something wrong with the person. Whereas a coach, I've done a lot of coaching, and typically there's nothing wrong with my players. But sometimes what they're doing is not working. And I think the same thing is true of relationships. That when couples come into my office, it's not that there's something for most couples uh it's not that there's something drastically wrong but what they're doing is not working and and yes part of us we're we're all bent out of shape we are and and i can maybe explain that but 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 it's more important is that what what they're doing is not working and it, again it's like the the coach's job is to whether it's you're coaching football or hockey or whatever you're coaching uh i guess soccer now with the world cup but you know, if, if what a player is doing is not working, then the coach can say, hey, look, at, let's try this or try this or let's do this or do that. So um, well, I, I think it's really interesting, John, in terms of um, I think and this is what I think Harville and Helen have done is with the um, advent of a more formal psychology with Freud and Jung and Adler, there was a sense of therapy was to treat things that were wrong or broken or when people were mentally ill or whatever. And I think that in terms of relationships, when 40% of the population gets divorced, 40% of married couples get divorced, and that doesn't include the statistic of those marriages where people stay. So how many people are struggling with relationships? So that can't be that that there's something wrong with people. It means that there's there's something missing. It's like, and yeah. I think Harville and Helen talk about an evolution of our understanding of relationships. Yeah. And, right? Yeah. And you know, I like I said, as a coach, I didn't I didn't invent hockey, but I can coach it. I didn't invent the margarita relationship therapy but but i can coach it i can i, I you know uh, they can't be everywhere and 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 by the way just so you know uh he sold over or over four million copies of his book getting the love you want and he's trained about three thousand of us around the world uh, doing this work so i tell my couples i say this is not just me this is a, a system that's helped a lot of people 
I, I was actually the first international guy that he trained, but now I think it's in 61 countries. So it's, it's a system that, uh, and, and, it, and it is a system. And again, I use hockey as, uh, uh, because that's partly my background, but uh, this was years ago when, when the, uh, all the colleges in Ontario had hockey teams and I coached the, the St. Clair College Saints, the hockey team at St. Clair. And we would get uh, players from all over Southern Ontario and they'd all play junior A, junior B, high school hockey, but they'd all, all use their own systems. But when they came to the college, I, I wanted to use our system. We'd been very successful and I was the coach. I could bench them. <laughs> so when a couple comes in, I, I sort of explain the system and I say, look, I can't bench you, but if you're going to work with me, this is what you're going to get. Intellectually, it makes sense to me. Uh, my wife and I just celebrated our 47th anniversary this year. Uh, it wouldn't happen without this. So it's not just theory for me. It's very personal. I wouldn't be doing this except that what happened to us 30 some years ago. And, and but, but I've also seen it play itself out of my office for the last 30 some years. So uh, it, I, I, I tell people right up front, I say, look, if you're going to work with me, this is the system we're going to use. And, and I think the advantage to a system, it's like, it's like anything. It, 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 it sets some boundaries or it sets some, um, people can be successful. If you do this, you can be successful. If you do, you know, if you don't do that, that will help. And, and, and it's not, like I said, it's not rocket science, but there's, there's, uh, a, a system that has, uh, as I said, it's helped a lot of people. And Harville, obviously your relationship is one thing, but uh, he and he, he and his wife are very structured uh, folks and they and they divide the relationship up into pieces. And so we we look at, and I, I ask people to uh, uh, challenge them to do homework. Uh, and, and in the back of the book, there's some exercises that I ask couples to work through, but he, he breaks it up into say communication or to uh, family of origin or until, you know, having fun together or whatever. Uh, dealing with frustration. So, uh, he, he, and, and again, uh, I, this is my take on it, is that those two are brilliant. They're they're just brilliant. But they've also trained 3,000 of us around the world doing this work. So it, it's it's not just their ideas, but there's been a lot of feedback from the field that this has helped couples. So it's, uh, I, I'm biased, but I think it's the best understanding we have of relationships in today's world. And I think it's a system that uh, most people can follow. It's it's not rocket science. So so I I just want to come back to um, you know when people are in a relationship, people fall in love, and you know if we didn't fall in love, we probably wouldn't be together. So it's like you know it's kind of this mystery attraction that we have and and we're attracted to someone and we see all of these wonderful qualities in them and um we decide that to make a commitment with to the person and then of course um the romantic phase of the relationship ends at some point and um you know if, if you think about it there really are three three phases in a relationship there's the romantic phase, right? That gets us together that, you know, it's like you can talk all night and you can, you, it's like, you're so much alike. It's like you found your soulmate, which many of us have. And then comes the power struggle. It's kind of like when day-to-day -day life comes in. And that's where John and I were when I left, it was like a power struggle. And in the power struggle, we tend to try to figure out, okay, how do I get my needs met? They're not being met. 
And um, we begin to look for exits from the relationship. And in the power struggle, it can look like different things. Like for us, it was it was like a a quiet power struggle. For some people, it's really hot power struggle. It's like really, you know, bucking bucking into one another, bumping heads. And um, and for some people, they they exit. You know, maybe they become workaholics or they get into drugs or they have an affair or all kinds of things could happen. And it's at that point that things break apart, right? It's in that power struggle in the evolution so, of relationships. Yeah. And I, so let me go back to, uh, he calls it Imago relationship therapy. And, and Imago is simply, it's a Latin word for image. And I, I really do think that, that uh, uh, he's made an intuitive leap in our understanding of relationships because what he's basically saying, if I, I think I can put this pretty simply, that as children, we all, uh, it's it's unconscious, but somewhere in our little heads, we form we form an image of the person who loves me, who takes care of me, who meets all my needs. But here here's the tricky part: is because your parents weren't perfect, you're not perfect, I'm not perfect. Inevitably, that that image or that imprint is going to have both positive and negative traits. And and what Crystal just said just now is that when we fall in love. It's the positive. This and and we all have positive traits, and this person's going to meet all my needs, and it feels wonderful. And where Harville sort of flips it upside down, it, it seems counterintuitive, but but I think he's right on. He says, I wouldn't be attracted to Chris. People would not be attracted to each other except for the negatives, because the negatives tap in the needs we didn't get met as a child. And this is not about blaming parents. All parents do the best they could do, but if those needs weren't met growing up then we replayed that same scenario because that's what's familiar to us. Then again, those needs don't get met again. And so that's where, as she just said, we get into uh, our needs aren't being met. And then we resort to either uh, coercing or stonewalling or, or shutting down or whatever we do. And, 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 and so that's where when people come into the office and, and what, what Crystal didn't say, but I think where she was going was that there's a third stage which is a more realistic or reality love. So romantic love is sort of, you know, oh, this is going to be great, yada, yada, yada. And then we get into this power struggle stuff. And, and we're saying that those are both stages. They're supposed to happen, but supposed to end. But, you know, in our culture, I think we really uh, idolize romantic love. You see it in those uh, magazines at the checkout counter that, you know, actors and actresses and athletes, they fall in love and then, all of a sudden uh, they're, they're out of love and they get divorced and they start over again. So four or five, three, you know, six relationships later, they're, they're still repeating those same patterns. And a lot of us get stuck in, in the power struggle stage. We, we get stuck there or we bail and, and either, as Crystal said, either divorce or we, we live parallel lives. And, and we're saying there's a third option. If you, can, if you can work through that power struggle stage, you come out with a more realistic, a more reality love. And I think that's uh, what we were able to do. And that's what I try to help uh, couples to do. Well, and then I think the other um, way of talking about that reality love is that it's it becomes a conscious relationship. Yes. Because we become aware of, of not only our own needs, but the needs of our partner. We become aware of how we are communicating so there's a level of self-awareness and couple awareness, I think, that that occurs 
that can occur in that reality love stage if we have the tools to really become more conscious about about what we're doing and i, I just I, I just want to comment john that you know the um the beliefs that we create as as children that's very adlerian because adler talks about mistaken beliefs that as children we create uh, a belief system of about in looking around in our world we create beliefs about men about women about the world is it safe is it not safe um we and we create um a belief system around relationships because we watch our parents we watch other other relationships around us and the thing about childhood beliefs two things i want to say one is that we have limited experience as children and limited information and so sometimes it's magical thinking or sometimes it might be just survival thinking and then the second thing is i've forgotten <laughs> <laughs> Well, <laughs> I, know, I, I remember so the second thing is that that happens that, occasionally the second thing is is that those those mistaken beliefs or um illogical uh beliefs become unconscious and they become the roadmap for how we live our lives and so that's why in the reality love stage it's so important to be conscious of what those beliefs are, because, you know, um, I, I was I was watching a movie last night, and in the movie, the 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 woman who was the star, her father was very abusive, and so she just assumed that men would be abusive. As a little girl, she watched that, and it wasn't until she she became more conscious of, oh, this doesn't have to be true. I don't have to think that that things could change. So there's, there's, there's a moment of becoming more of, of uncovering those, those um, mistaken beliefs or, or the uh, mistaken logic that we create as children. Yeah. Here, here's another way we maybe look at the same thing, but remember I said that the Imago is made up of the positive negatives of our parents, whoever mm -hmm. raised us. And then yep. what Harville's saying, we tend to be attracted to someone like that. So I'll just use myself and Crystal. So so Crystal didn't get certain needs met growing up. And, and she mentioned she had an alcoholic father. And I think uh, I'm probably oversimplifying, but one uh, need, she didn't get her emotional needs met. Okay. Is that true, Crystal? Would that be a one to way? To some extent, yeah. To some extent. So who does she marry? Uh, so, someone who can't meet her emotional needs. Now, it, it looks totally different on the outside, but it was the same wound for her on the inside. Uh, my story is I, I uh, my dad died when I was five. It's during the war. I'm sent to a military boarding school. So I'm five years old, a dormitory of 40 kids. Where do you show your little hurts to? You don't. You you step on and you got smacked. And I'm sure I got smacked a lot. But I shut that part of me down a long time ago. So here's Crystal. Her emotional needs weren't met growing up. And she's attracted to me who can't meet those emotional needs. So the question is, can those needs ever be met? And, and going back to Harville, Crystal, Crystal mentioned that he was divorced. He, he, his first marriage didn't work. And he had, he had gone, I think, eight years of therapy trying to sort that first relationship out. And it didn't work. And he literally came from the divorce court to a class he was teaching down in Texas. And he was devastated. And he asked his class, he says, are any of you experiencing problems in your intimate relationship? And all 16 hands went up. And one of the students asked him, why, sir? And he says, 
I have no idea, but I'll spend the rest of my life trying to figure this out. But one of the things he was told in that, uh, in that therapy was, you know, you'll never get the needs met as, as an adult that you didn't get met as a child. He grew up in a small farm in Georgia, nine kids. His dad died when he was quite small. Mom died when he was five or six, raised by his sister. And he was basically told, grow up. You won't get those needs met. But he somehow felt that if there was a need, there's got to be a way to fulfill it. But he was stuck. And he said then when the answer came, it was pretty simple. The only way my crystal will get those emotional needs met is if I can grow and stretch and give them to her. But in so doing, I not only meet her needs, but I repair a part of me that got stunted growing up. So for me, it is a win-win. But but you have to be able to reframe. You know, you're going to be with somebody who's probably going to ask for your weak suit. But if you can reframe that and see, it, it's really a chance to grow. Like if if my feeling function was sort of stunted growing up, and and you know, uh, we didn't marry. I didn't marry till I was 35, and and uh, we we got uh, separated at, at 50. So I had 50 years of not being very great at at, at uh, sharing emotions. I, probably not that great now either, but I'm better than I was. <laughs> way better. <laughs> I'm better. Better than I was anyway. So if so, for me, rather than to stick my heels in, heels in and, and, and just say, hey, you know, this is the way I am, is to, again, become conscious, become aware and realize, yeah, that's that's a weak shoot for me, but but I, my my partner is challenging me to grow in that area, and I think that's really is that that our goal as humans is to be the best person we can be. And from an imago model, you're you're probably with the right person, because but don't be surprised if your partner challenges you to grow in areas that were stunted. Yeah. Now I, I'm jumping around here a bit, but I, just two questions I asked my couple of that I want uh, if you're listening to this just pay attention because the first is I ask couples and I, I say, don't answer this, but why are the two of you together? Because most guys will have met other girls. Most girls will have met other guys. So why the two of you? It's not a bad question. Why, why am I with Crystal? Why is, are you with your partner? Why is anybody with Because, <laughs> you know, I met hundreds of girls before I met Crystal. So why the two of us? But here's the other question. And, 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 and I ask, can you remember when you first met your partner? And I'm telling you, everybody can. Everybody. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I can remember 50 years ago when I met Crystal. So what's going on? And I think unconsciously, we recognize something that's familiar. Remember that imago is, is made up of both the positive and negative of our parents. It's, it's unconscious. Believe me, it's unconscious. But I think if, if Harville's right, and, and I can't prove it, but I, I think he's right on, is that unconsciously we recognize something that's familiar and, and we're attracted to it. And then that's where the romantic love kicks in it, with the pauses. But all I'm telling couples is don't be surprised when the negatives kick in. And here's the key. Now you have to learn to talk to each other uh, about it in a safe way. And that's really the uh, um, one of the key processes of imagotherapy is, is helping a couple learn to talk to each other in a safe way. Uh, because stuff's going to happen. Now you have to be able to talk to each other about it. Anyway, I can keep going for a long time, but I'll stop there. <laughs> I'll stop there. So, so I, I want to say, John, a couple of things. One is that, you know, often people think about coming to uh, relationship coaching or relationship therapy or counseling, whatever 
we term it, uh, when things start to fall apart. But I think that one of the um, one of the beauties of this system is that um, when people first get together, it's great to engage in this process because it gives them the skills right from the beginning of the relationship. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I know that, you know, for like 25 years, you've been working with marriage prep and working with couples. And um, I just think of a, a couple of weeks ago, you met someone who 25 years ago, you, or maybe 15 years ago, you had him in um, one of the marriage prep programs and he remembered something that you yeah. had said and quoted yeah. it back to you. And I thought, yeah. wow, that's, that's pretty impactful. Yeah, in terms yeah of I, I love I love working with the marriage prep because you, you get people even if they've been together five or six years, they, you know, maybe 20 years ago, people were probably with each other two or three years. Now it, it tends to be more five, six, seven, eight, nine. But but even uh, if people have been together five or six or seven years, they've done less damage than if, if people come at uh, 15 years married, 20 years married, 30 years married. So I, I, I do get excited. And like uh if if those of you listening the book uh, getting the love you want a guide for couples it's just good information I, i'm biased but i think it's the best information we have about relationships in today's world that you can have the relationship you want you can it's possible and uh it, and like i say it's um the tools are there we we just know more about relationships now than we did 20 30 40 years ago we just okay. know what works I mean, it's kind of like, um, you know, people talk about parenting and they say, well, you know, you get this child and and there's no manual for it. We've kind of got to figure things out. And the assumption was always that oh, we could figure it out. But now there are parenting courses, there are books about parenting, and we learn how to be better parents. And I think the same is true about relationships. For centuries, people just got into relationships. And I mean, they were generally you know, convenient or because of riches or whatever. And it's only been in the last couple hundred years that people, romantic love has really been around. And um, where we experience and engage in relationships in a different way, right? So here's here's something that, that I can throw in maybe that um, if I look at myself, uh, 30 years ago, when I started doing this work, uh, all of us, including me, we, we spent a, a lot of time on, on the Imago. What was it like for you growing up? What was it like for you growing up? What was the childhood like? And trying to figure out pluses and minuses and, and all that stuff and getting some insight. And there's nothing wrong with insight, believe me. And, and, but insight by itself is not enough. All right. And so, but we, I, and, and I still do, we still look at that. And then for 20, 25 years, I really focused on the notion of safety. Um, I haven't gone into that, into that a lot, but uh, a, a key thing for me is simply the, 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 the human brain. And, and we know we all have this cerebral cortex that hopefully, if you're listening to this, and uh, hopefully Chris and I are, Crystal and I are, are using our cerebral cortex a bit mm -hmm. here, but we have this cerebral cortex part of our brain. Then we have a, uh, a midbrain, which does all kinds of stuff. And then we have this brain stem. And, and scientists tell us that all animals have a brain stem. You know, birds, fish, mammals, reptiles. They call it the reptilian brain, the old brain, the brain stem. And its basic function is to keep us alive. It asks the question, is it safe or is it dangerous? If it's dangerous, it'll defend itself. That's 500 million years. You're not going to change that. 
But here's my challenge. If you think about how relationships are often depicted today in the movies, TV, those magazines at the checkout counter, but in real life, but think about it from your old brain point of view. If you attack me or yell at me or don't talk or shut down or make fun of me, what am I going to do except defend myself? You see it everywhere. And all I'm saying doesn't work. So honest to God, my job in the office is simply to get two people, two people to talk to each other in a safe way. But you can't attack or withdraw. So to me, that, that just made so much sense. You know? And so for years, I, I really focused on, on this notion of safety. And I, I don't mean physical safety because that has to be a, a given in any relationship. But I'm, I'm talking about psychological or emotional safety where you're, 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 you're safe to talk to each other about stuff or bring up issues and deal with them. But, he, but more recently, and this is, uh, so Harville and Helen wrote the first book in, in, two, uh, in 1988, and then they republished it in 2008, uh, 20th anniversary edition. And in 2019, they came out with a third edition. And the big shift in the last 10 years, between 2008, 2019, I guess 11 years, was came through their study of quantum theory, quantum physics. <laughs> I'm not a big expert on quantum theory, but, <laughs> but what they're saying is Einstein and other people are saying, look at this whole big universe of ours is basically just energy, but it's all connected. It's all in relationship. Atom to atom, molecule to molecule, planet to planet, galaxy to galaxy, everything is in relationship. And so typically we think of a relationship as two people, you and you. And what I, I start challenging couples to think about is Think of your relationship as the two of you plus the space between you, because it's a real energy field. And you can tell, can't you, when there's tension there? It's either yep. tense or it's not tense. There's sort of no middle ground. And what they're saying is your little relationship is a microcosm of the vast macrocosm, that everything wants to be connected. But if you put negativity into that space between, it causes disconnect. And if you put too much negativity into there, then people start to avoid and that's where, you know, people end up either leaving parallel lives or, or, or separate or divorcing. And, and I, so I tell couples now, I really do think the fastest way forward for any couple is to really protect the space between. You know, you cannot keep putting negativity in there, you know, because the negativity causes disconnect. So it's sacred ground, holy ground. You have to keep that space uh, free of any negativity. And then I also encourage them to, to fill that space with positives, the affirmations, appreciations. And I encourage people to say those out loud. Hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. You did a good job. Because again, from an old brain point of view, if I'm constantly hearing, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate that. My old brain can relax. This is not the enemy of, over there. It's my ally. We're on the same team. All right. So, so again, uh, you know, it, it, it's not rocket science. Like for me, safety is key. But I'm telling people right up front, you're probably with somebody who's going to, especially at the start, activate some old stuff. You're probably strong in an area where your partner's less strong. And for sure, you have those reactive old brains. So you need some skills. And, and the, the basic skill is you have to learn to talk to each other in a safe way. That's the, the primary skill. And we have a process that we all use as a therapist called Safe Conversations. And that's the process I use in the office. And, and then I say... Let me, let me just finish uh, uh, this and then I'll come back to you. But um, so you have to learn to talk to each other in a safe way. I, I say, again, think about it um, from your old brain point of view. We're going to say in a conscious relationship, anything negative by appointment only. Anything negative by appointment only. 
Because think about it. If I don't know when the arrow's coming or when I'm going to get attacked, for sure I'll have my armor on. Hard to be intimate when you're both planking around the same house with armor on. And people look at me a little like, what's that look like? Well, I, I tell them when I go out with uh, Crystal at night uh, out of the office here, you know, I just hang out. No arrows coming, not going to get zing. Pretty nice. 30 years. But if either Crystal or, or I have something, hey, we got to talk. We got something going on. Let's have a coffee. We have the same skill that uh, I, I, I share my, with my clients. I'm not asking them to do anything we don't do with, with ourselves. And as Crystal said, we, we still use these processes. And the third thing is, and this is the one I think couples are having the most problems with, because I think to some extent it's uh, unconscious, but we're going to say in a conscious relationship, remove all negativity, no blame, shame, or criticism. And that's looking at that space between. You, you cannot keep putting negativity into that space between because the negativity causes disconnect. And then the last would be to refill that uh, uh, space between with positives to amplify the positives. Sorry, Crystal, I cut you off there for no, a bit. No, no, I was just, I was just saying that that we use those skills. Yeah. As you start to talk about them. Um, and I was thinking about in terms of the appreciation, um, one of the things that we've done every so often is we have a an appreciation month. And so every day we would, um, at the end of the day, we'd sit down, have dinner, and we'd give three appreciations to the other person. And sometimes we actually write them on, during Thanksgiving month on a pumpkin, and we keep the pumpkin on the table. And it's really, I think, quite amazing how much more conscious we are of our partner, how much more conscious I am of you, John, when I, I do that. Because, I mean, I have a lot of things to be appreciative of, and you're one of them. And sometimes you end up on the pumpkin numerous times, but it just makes me more conscious of the richness of my life and the richness of our relationship. And I think that that's a really good exercise for couples to do. And the one rule is, is you can't repeat yourself. So you really well, have to think about. Yeah, we did that. We did that. Uh, it's a few years ago now, but the challenge was three appreciations a day, no repetitions for a month. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but so, we did it. Chris is a great cook. So I said, well, that was a great dinner. Can't use that one again. Nope. So, so <laughs> what, 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 what it made us do, both of us, we, and we both realized, you, you really got to pay attention because mm -hmm. so often you can take so much of what your partner does for granted. But, but if, if we, <laughs> we have to uh, pay attention, yeah, I, I really appreciate when you did that or did that. So, so my appreciation today, Chris, I really appreciate you getting me on this program. I, it gives me a chance to, to <laughs> spout off by, uh, anyway, I, I, Obviously, I get excited about this stuff, but but again, I, I've been doing this for 32 years. Crystal, it would drive her nuts to do the same thing for 32 years. She has a hard time doing the same thing for 32 minutes. But, 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 anyway, you're, so, but you're, just, you're so passionate about it. And you I, I know. I, I still get excited. If I get a couple in here that, uh, you know, it's uh, if, if they can just grasp that they can have a great relationship, it's so exciting. And it, it, I, a few years ago now, I wrote the book uh, Dream Relationship, which is really the Coles Notes version of the big book, but it, it's a coaching manual. But in there, I quote Lou Holtz. Uh, he was a, a football coach at Notre Dame, and he, he, <laughs> he made the same. He says, I've coached with good players and bad players. He says, I'm a better coach with good players. And I've coached yeah. with good players and bad players, and I'm a better coach with good players. But same in the office. You know, some couples are just much more willing to do the work. Yeah. And and it's so exciting to to coach them. Whereas others, and it really goes back to 
not looking at themselves, not being conscious, not uh, sort of blaming their partner, as opposed to looking at themselves. And so it goes back to that, really what Crystal is trying to do in, in her, on her website and with these podcasts is the turn to inner wisdom as the ABCs. Be aware, what are your beliefs? Be curious rather than judgmental. And and all the things she does, as long as as well as looking at things like relationships. But it's it's really exciting what you're doing, Crystal, because it, it, it it's the key is people have to be able to look at themselves and, and mm-hmm. say, you know, okay, what what can I do? It, it, again, it's not about blaming parents or or anything. And, and here's another good statement: as Crystal said, we were both trained as Adlerian psychologists, and Adler has this great saying: "It's not what you possess; it's how you use it." Mm-hmm. It's not what you possess, it's how you use it. And I always use the example of Terry Fox. You know, a young kid loses a leg to cancer and decides to run across Canada. Another young kid loses a leg to cancer and says, well, for me, life's not fair. They both possess the same thing, but use it quite differently. You can't do anything about the loss of leg or the cancer, but what he did, pretty impressive. And so I tell couples in the office, I said, you can't change anything. I can't change anything that's happened at this point. I can't. But what they decide or what I decide to do from here forward, we have more choice over. So for me, it's just way more optimistic is that, you know, you can't change whether it could be an affair, it could be whatever, 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 which brings them to the office. But what they decide to do from here forward, uh, they have more choice over. So for me, it's exciting. And like I say, I still get excited when couples can catch the vision and, and realize, yeah, they can have a great relationship. So, so John, you've worked with, um, people who are just making a commitment to a relationship. Sometimes people come in who are just thinking, okay, we want to make a commitment. Like they're not even sure they're in in for the long haul, and but they want to learn the tools. I, I'm just curious to know um, how long, so the couples, what's my question? It's about who has come to your office that has been married the longest or has been in a relationship the longest? What's the longest time they've been in a relationship? I know? think 41 yeah. or 45 years, I think. Is, is that right? Yeah. But no, no, I had somebody 53 years just recently and, and oh, they wow. did really well. They did really well. The couple of 45 years, this is a, a few years ago. The, the last 25 hadn't been very good. So it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. It was great. Mm. But um, mm. I, I, I think they stopped at some point, which is, you know, that happens in the office too. Couples, I asked for a commitment of, of 10 sessions because you're not going to change 45 years or or two years in, in one session. Couples have to learn to be with each other differently. And and I I, I really ask people if they're going to work with me to to commit, give themselves like that three-month period to, to work on it. But and this is all of us as Imago therapists around the world. Sometimes couples stop coming between sort of week three and six. They say it's not working. It's too hard. It's making things worse. And I, I tell people right up front, I say, look, there's going to be some ups and downs in this. Yep. Well, you know yep. that, Crystal, on that I weekend. Do. There were I do. there were some ups and downs in that there weekend. There were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, almost, week. I almost left that weekend in Chicago. <laughs> I don't know. There were some ups and downs in that one. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, but but they, the 45-year uh, couple, they sort of disappeared. But the 53 they 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 did really well and i think they're just uh they were really excited and god only knows how many more years they have but hopefully they'll be uh they'll be great ones so you know and and my hope for the 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 those two that were married 45 years that the work that they did with you they were then able to move on i hope so you know that if they had 25 bad years why not just stop 
Like why suffer? Why suffer? So I think the the important thing about what you're doing is, yeah, it's really important for relationships to work because that's, I mean, that's what we long for. We, we, We don't get into a relationship for it to end. However, if we're in a relationship that's not working, to figure out why it's not working and gracefully leave it as opposed to hurt the other person in the process of leaving. And so sometimes going through the Imago um, process with you, the, the, the relationship coach, it's about how do we, how do we gracefully leave this relationship and honor the fact that we have loved one another and that we have a history that is not all eradicated just because the relationship ended. Yeah. And, and I tell, again, that's, I asked for the 10 session because, and I'd say to couples, I say, look, at, at, at the end of the 10 session, it'll be much clearer whether you want to stay together, but yeah. if you do, what are you, what are you going to have to do to make this work? And, and okay. sometimes people are, aren't willing or they, they can't, or they, there's just too much pain gone on or yeah. they've given up or, or whatever. And, and as you say, then how can uh, they, they separate or, or, disentangle themselves gracefully and especially if there's kids involved to be uh, a positive influence with the children exactly exactly john i think that um we could probably go on because it would be great to have um more of a conversation about um this the safe space or the sacred space i love i love talking about that topic and as you know i love talking about all kinds of other things as well well you you invite me back you know i don't you pay me for these or or do i is this all is this for free so if you're paying me we can do another session tomorrow or tonight or whatever time to go (laughs) probably time to go yeah okay john (laughs) but thanks thanks a lot i really do appreciate it chris you're great and you know you're a great partner i I, i'm so lucky you're just a, a wonderful wonderful person and i uh I'm a, a, a lucky guy for sure. I'm going to have to have you back on just to get the compliments. Yeah. <laughs> to really soothe my oh, ego. Oh, oh, that, oh, that's what you're paying me for. Okay. Oh, that's all right, right. No problem. That's right. Anyway, yeah. John, right. it has been a pleasure to have this conversation. I've been looking forward to it. And uh, I'm glad we're finally having it. Your passion and dedication toward making uh, relationships work, it, for me, is always breathtaking. The commitment that you have is sometimes overwhelming when I think about how you work with couples and and um, not only couples, but you know, your commitment to our relationship is, is also pretty amazing. And you've impacted people around the world, which is stunning. Any last thanks. words for our listeners? No, thanks, Crystal. It's just, it's, okay, great. Well, I'm, thanks I'm a lucky again. man being with you. Thanks. <laughs> So you can learn more about John's work from his website, johnsullivancounseling.com. And be sure to watch for his automated program that's coming out soon. Um, I think it'll be a great contribution to couples at any stage of a relationship. Yes. There is, there is another thing, Crystal, is that uh, that um, uh, it's it's a tab on, on what's a, what's a uh, masterclass. There's a oh, free yeah. masterclass on um on um at, at my website it's free it's it's about 40 45 minutes it's sort of what i i walk through people through to to get a, a sense of the system so if if, if you're interested at all i would give you a a, a short version of of uh, of the imago system like i i guess i'm a coach uh harbo and helen are the experts uh and i just try to simplify and uh 
and spread the word. So uh, it's it's uh, on my website. There's a tab at the top, uh, free masterclass. I I will include the link on the uh, podcast page, so people can can go right to the masterclass. Yeah. But I am I'm I'm excited about this automated program, which again sort of takes it's a, a series of like eighteen videos of basically what I do in the office, but it's a uh, it's, it's going to be automated online with maybe a, a weekly check-in call or whatever. But uh, I'm hoping that more people will, will get this information because it's just good information. Yeah, so I think that that's a really good um, approach, John. And I think that um, that really came out of COVID, didn't it? That you, yeah. know, you started to work with people on Zoom and yeah. great distance. Yeah. And it wasn't always in the office. And I yeah. think you realize that you could actually impact more people doing something like your automated program. And then if they want more, you yeah. know, they can come to, they can do engage in a workshop or they can uh, work with you directly, although your time is limited. And I think it, this way you can actually um, meet the needs of more people. So I think that uh, I hope so. program I hope so. is something for people to look at. Okay. So, I hope you will join me next time as I continue to explore the ABCs of the journey to inner wisdom. We're coming to the end of the year and I will probably have only one more podcast and then I'm going to take a break. So as 2022 is coming to a close, I'm starting to think about how to enter into 2023 with my full awareness and passion. And I want to ask you, do you have, uh, do you want to have an expansive 2023? If so, I'm inviting you to start 2023 by uncovering your blind spots and habitual unconscious patterns and discovering the growing edge of your soul's yearning. This journey takes you behind your personality, behind the mask to your essence. Through self-awareness, self-observation and curiosity, you will discover broader and deeper aspects of your journey. With the way clear, you can break free in 23. So go to my website and reserve your spot for January 23 of this special edition of the Enneagram program. See you next time.